when the angels protested the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to take the Torah from Shemaim and bring it down to us here on earth, it wasn't just out of a sense of envy. They had a strong legal argument, halachic argument in their favor. And some of the answers that are presented by the commentators to try and debunk that argument don't seem to work. Chassidus gives us the insight necessary. We well know what the Gemara tells us about the introduction to the giving of the Torah, where it says, At the time Moshe Rabbeinu went on high, the angels turned towards Hashem and they said, Why is there a human being, the son of a woman, here amongst us? So Hashem said he came to get the Torah. They protested. This precious treasure that's been hidden away from sight for all of this time. You intend now to give to humans? What is the value of humans that you should remember them? Rather share your glory here in the heavens where it will be safer and used better. Hashem turns to Moshe and he says, You respond to them. So, Moshe Rabbeinu says to Hashem in answer to the Malachim, The Torah that you're about to give me, what does it say? I'm Hashem your God who took you out of Egypt. So, Moshe turns to the Malachim and he says, Did you ever go down to Egypt? Were you ever slaves to Paroi? Why is the Torah relevant to you? And then he continues, What else does it say? You should have no other gods. Do you live amongst other nations who serve idolatry and it might be attractive to you? And along the same lines, Moshe responded based on each of the Aseris Adibros. Do you work that you have to rest? Do you work that you might take a false oath? Do you have parents you have to honor? Are you envious about this that you have to be told not to, to, to covet? Do you have a Yetzirah that you might want to steal or, or murder or commit adultery? At that point, the Malachim had no choice but to acknowledge that they obviously designed the Torah for Yidden and they couldn't protest any further. Now the question is, what is the basis of their claim? Various commentators point out what was the main thrust of their argument to say that the divine presence belongs or the revelation of Torah belongs here in the heavens. Based on an halachic principle is the concept of the concept of which means as follows. There's a halacha. Let's say a person owns a field and I sells it to somebody else. Somebody else. Yes, the person who is the neighbor on the border, he can come along and say, one second, you've just sold a, a, a field right next to my field. I'm taking it from this from this client and, and we'll sort out the finances, but I deserve first rights to this field. Because it is in the in the interest of the person with a neighboring field to be able to expand his fields in the same area instead of having to go buy a field somewhere else far away. And as the Gemara explains, the Torah instructs us that we should always do that which is upright and that which is good. In other words, we should care for another person's success. So, the person who is the neighbor of the field that's about to be sold actually has first rights to the field and can even protest to the point that the purchaser has to leave. That's where the angels are coming from. They say that the Torah was hidden over here in Shemaim. Its point of origin is in the heavens. They're in their neighbors. They're also in heaven. 
So yes, we know them schos midim by metal kabbalas haTorah. So like a neighbor, they deserve first rights to the Torah because it's the property next door that's been given away to the yidden. And that's why they claim actually leave the Torah over here in Shemaim. This is where it belongs, and it's uh, it's got to be ours. And they would also explain how the Malachim could even have such an argument. You might wonder, it's like a non-starter argument for the angels. Look in the Torah and it addresses the Jewish people. So how could they even have a, 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 an argument in the first place? Because the halacha bar metra is that even if the sale went through, we remove the purchaser from the field and we give it to the neighbor. And that's what the malachim are saying. We don't, it doesn't make a difference to us that it was already allocated to the Jews. So remove the Jews and replace us because we have first rights to the uh, property, so to speak, called Torah because of dinner de bar metra. Now there are five suggestions about how we could debunk their argument. So there are many different answers. We're going to look at five of them. Aleph, the first explanation, which is really simple, is the whole theory behind Barmetra is it's fixed property. So in order to expand your field, you need the field next door. And it wouldn't be relevant to something which is a movable item because go buy it from somewhere else. doesn't make a difference. And needless to say, Torah is not fixed property. So what are the Malachim on about? Another answer, <coughs> the application of the halacha bar metra, where you protect the neighbor, is only if the person selling his field, not when the person gives the field as a gift. Torah was given to us as a gift, as we call it, matan Torah. Number three, we are the so-called relatives of Hashem. Like the Pasuk says, Which other great nation has a God who is close to them? Not only that, beyond just being relatives, the Torah calls us Hashem's children. When it comes to relatives, especially if those relatives are children, there is no application of Barmetra for the same reason. Just like it's good for me to care about my neighbor and allow him to expand his field, my neighbor has to care about me to protect my family and, and give things to my family. Dalit, fourth answer. Moshe is called a godly man. Which the Medrash explains to me that that the lower half of Moshe's reality was human. And the higher half of Moshe's reality was divine. Which actually makes Moshe as much of a neighbor to the Torah, because he's partway in the Shemaim, as the Malachim are. And lastly, when the Torah tells us that Moshe judged the Jewish people from morning to evening, Amr Chazal, so the Gemara says that's impossible. Nobody could judge from morning to evening every single day. So they explain, Moshe was the kind of judge who judged an absolutely honest, true judgment. On whom we say, any judge who judges properly and honestly, it's considered as if they're Hashem's partner in creation. And the halacha is that if a person wants to sell his field or even give his field to his partner, his business partner, the neighbor cannot protest. Okay, so five possible answers. The Torah is not fixed property. The Torah wasn't sold. The Jews are related to Hashem. Moshe is halfway in heaven. Or the fact is we're Hashem's partners. Or at least Moshe was Hashem's partner. Okay, great answers, except... 
Let's first look at the, the, the last two answers because they are very clearly not going to really satisfy the question. There's a good question that we could face at the two last questions, at the two last uh, arguments. And that is, So it's great to tell them that Moshe is a neighbor in heaven, or that Moshe is Hashem's partner in creation, but Moshe is not getting the Torah for himself. He's getting the Torah as our representative on behalf of all of us, and we're not all halfway into heaven, and we're not all necessarily judges who judge beautifully from day, from morning to evening that we could be considered Hashem's partners. So to that, the commentaries also give an answer, an answer for each. So the Mepharshim explained, The truth is, every Jew is a neighbor of Torah. Because the point of origin of all of our Neshamas is that they were, so to speak, carved out of a place underneath Hashem's throne of glory. In other words, we're, we're from heaven. That's actually where we originate. It's our Medina. So we are neighbors. And secondly, based with regards to the final answer, by the time we got the Torah, we were all Hashem's partners in creation. How so? Because we know from Pashas Beshalach that when they got to the bitter waters of Morah, they committed to certain mitzvahs. One of those mitzvahs was Shabbos. About which the same Chazal who say that a judge who judges properly is Hashem's partner in creation, the same Chazal also say, Any person who davens on a Friday evening and says the paragraph which describes the completion of the creative process, becomes Hashem's partner in creation. So, okay, we can reinstate those last two arguments. So, we still have five potential responses to the Malachim, but there's one major problem with all of them. There's something that we've got to understand something about all of the answers that were offered. Because they all miss the main point of the conversation as recorded in the Gemorrah. Not one of those five arguments comes through in Moshe's communication to the angels. He doesn't say the Torah is metaltlin or it's a gift, or we are relatives, or we are neighbors, or we are partners. It doesn't say anything like that. He says, read what the Torah says. In fact, the other Abba, actually, it seems to be saying the opposite. Because the three last answers were children of Hashem, were neighbors of Hashem, were partners of Hashem. sound like the exact opposite of what Moshe was saying. Because those three answers all illustrate either how Moshe Rabbeinu or how the entire Jewish people are very close to Hashem, in other words, very sublime and very spiritual. We belong in the heavens and we're Hashem's partners. Whereas the Gemara, quoting what Moshe Rabbeinu said, emphasizes the exact opposite end of the scale. That the goal of Torah is to Africa away from heaven to go descend, not just into the world, but into the worst parts of the world, into Mitzrayim. Which means that Moshe Rabbeinu's argument to the Malachim highlights Dafka the physical nature of we, the recipients. To the extent that we experience envy and we have a Yetzirah, etc. Where do you see any of that expressed in any of these answers? And then, more specifically, besides, besides this general question that none of this is referenced in Moshe's argument to the angels, let's go back to the first two, question, uh, the first two answers that we said either it's 
movable property and no dinner de bar mitzvah, or it is a gift and no dinner de bar mitzvah, and let's just check if that's absolutely accurate. We have to understand the logic behind a halacha, not just to quote the halacha parrot parrot-like. Why is it that we don't apply the same rule of bar mitzvah that you prioritize your neighbor when it comes to movable items? Because of the logic behind Dina de Barmetra. She used He has a person with a field, and we want to allow the person to have the opportunity to have the next door field so he could expand his farm. And that ain't a That has no logical carryover into the world of movable items. Because you can go anywhere in the world and buy a movable item and bring it to where you live. So it's it's not a geographical issue. If that's the logic why we don't apply dinner de bar to movable items, because you can get them anywhere and bring them home. But when it comes to Torah and Mokim, at times the logic falls flat. Because can't turn around to the Malachim and say, no, you don't have first rights to the Torah, because go buy the Torah somewhere else. And you can't get the Torah somewhere else. It's only one Torah, it's only available once, and it's only available now in this place. So the Malachim could still argue, we're in this place, we should have the first rights to the Torah. So it's not so simple just to say, oh, because it's metaltalin, the Halacha of Bar Metra does not apply. Secondly, the second argument was, well, it's a gift and not a purchase. Let's check if that's true. Because in different places, we will find three different ways that we describe how the Torah was given to us. Aleph Yerusha, on the one hand, that's an inheritance. That the Torah is our inheritance. Beis Mechira, it is also referred to as a sale, as Chazal say, There you have it, clearly Chazal say that Hashem says to the Jewish people, I sold you my Torah. And then the one that we used to try and use as an answer against the Malachim, Matana, a gift, That there were three special gifts, beautiful gifts that Hashem gave us, one of which is Torah. As we say in the davening on Shavuot, That this is the festival of the giving of the Torah to us. Why are there three different ways to describe it? Because each of these expressions illustrates a particular kind of relationship that we as Jews have with the Torah. And that's explained elsewhere in Hasidus. We're not going to get into it now. What's relevant for us is if the Gemara, in fact, ascribes a value of sale to the Torah, then, of course, the Malachim have a reason to argue, we're the Bar Metra, we're the neighbors, we need the Torah first. So none of our answers have really satisfied the question, because none of the answers speak to what Moshe Rabbeinu told the Malachim, and each one of the answers independently seems to have a weakness. Let's try another answer. There's another answer that maybe seems to be more aligned with the language the Gemara ascribes to Moshe Rabbeinu. And that is, First, let's just check which part of Torah did the Malachim want, the secrets of Torah, the esoteric part of Torah. Because the Malachim are not fools. They understand that the practice of mitzvahs in the physical sense is something they cannot do, doesn't relate to them. So the only part of Torah that they would be arguing for, that they should retain, is the mystical part of Torah, because that's really in their neighborhood. That's the completely spiritual side of Torah, and it resonates with them.
Seeing as the Jews are getting the whole Torah, and all the Malachim in, in potential could have gotten was only one part of Torah, the esoteric part of Torah. If a person chooses to sell all of their assets, the field included, to an individual, nobody could argue, hey, but I want the field for me. Well, sorry, it's like a lump sale of everything. So seeing as Abish is giving the whole Torah to Yidin, the Malachim don't have a leg to stand on, excuse the pun, when it comes to that one section of Torah that they may have a claim to, Pneumius Matsinu. Plus, there's another perspective, another interesting, uh, very important part of the Halacha of Dinah de Bar Let's say the neighbor who's claiming, I need that field to expand my field. If all that person needs is to expand an already successful farming environment, whereas the purchaser needs it because he doesn't have a field and he doesn't have a way to support himself, then obviously for the same logic that Barmetra is always looking out to do the right thing to people, obviously the person who needs the field in order to survive will take precedence over the neighbor who just wants to be able to expand. Now that argument would apply to our scenario. The fact that we as Jews need the Torah is absolutely critical to our survival. Because Torah is our life. And only with the power of Torah can we overcome our Yitzhahara. As the famous Gemara says, I created, Hashem says the Yitzhahara, and I created Torah as the antidote. So we need Torah. But when the, the angels say that they want to be able to have Torah, and specifically the esoteric part of Torah, and they don't have the challenges of Torah, for them it's a luxury item. Our immediate needs overtake their luxury needs. So those are two good answers, right? But we still have the same problem. What did Moshe tell the angels? He doesn't turn to the angels and say, you're right, we're on the same page, that you don't have a connection to the physical, and you're arguing about the spiritual. No, he says, you don't have a connection to the physical. Did you go down to Mitzrayim? Do you work? Do you have the challenge of a Yetzirah? Now, according to these answers, none of that is a surprise to the Malachim. They knew all of that before they entered into the conversation. They knew this. According to these explanations, they weren't looking for that part of the Torah. They were only looking for the esoteric part. And there's nothing in Moshe's words that allude either to the concept of somebody who sells all of his assets, in which case the neighbor can have no complaints, or the concept that I'm selling it to a person who's in a crisis and needs this in order to survive. Claim in other words, The fact that we as Jews need the Torah urgently because we're in a constant battle against the Yetzirah, that might explain what Moshe said when he said, do you have a Yetzirah? But the way Moshe says it, with all the detail, it goes into so many details, business, working, um, parents, 
that implies Moshe's answer to the angels is not to highlight just the fact that there's a battle generically against the Yetzirah. We have that battle, so we need resources. And you don't have that battle, so you don't need the resources. It seems much more that Moshe Rabbein is trying to say the part of Torah that relates to real physical experiences is not relevant to you. And we were suggesting that the Malachim already know that. So we haven't yet got the answer. And the answer can only be explained according to Hasidus. Let's start by asking the question, why is there a Torah? And specifically, why would the Torah be given to anybody? And of course to us. The purpose is that through Torah, the goal of Torah is that through the Torah, we are able to achieve Hashem's purpose for creation, which is to build a home for Hashem in the lowest realm. What do you mean a home? Chassidus explains, why do we say a home? Because when a person is at home, that's when they are really themselves, their real essence is able to come out. You don't have to conform to the expectations or the rules of other places. So that is allegorical to explain to us then when Hashem wants a home, it means to say that Hashem wants to be able to express the essence of His being in this environment. How do you express the essence of Hashem's being in this environment? That is something that is achieved through Torah. Because as the expression goes, through Torah, we take Hashem Himself, so to speak. We like grab onto Hashem. And that totally negates the argument of Bar Metra. Because, Adinu, the Aloha says, Shema Bar Metra if the neighbor wants the field so that he can continue to plant or expand his farm and plant more product, whereas the purchaser wants the land so he can build a home, we give the field to the purchaser because to allow people the opportunity to settle specifically in Eretz Yisrael, but to be able to settle, to have a home, overrides the concerns of Bar Metra. And that's the answer in our scenario. Seeing as the purpose of Torah is to build a home, a home for Hashem in the lowest realm, that completely cancels any argument from the Malachim that they're in the neighbor and they deserve the luxury of being able to have a larger farm, spiritual farm. You see this in the words. Unlike all of the other arguments, this one is reflected directly in the words of how the Gemara describes Moshe Rabbeinu's rebuttal. Did you go into the physical world? Are you engaged in the physical world? Do you do business? In The whole purpose and structure and design of the Torah is for those, us, the Jews, who are in the world engaging with developing and improving the world. And it has to be the physical world because as he says, do you live amongst nations? Do you have the normal human um, vices? Because that's the goal of Torah, to impact the lower world. And Moshe Ben is telling the Malachim, you don't live here. You don't have impact here. You can't achieve the goal of Torah doesn't belong to you. We're building the home, and you just want to have a nice field. 
Now, that's not to say the Malachim don't have any value from the Torah. The fact the Torah wasn't given to the Malachim is not to suggest that those higher spiritual realms don't need the input of Hashem's essence which we achieve through Torah. Because the reality of those higher spiritual worlds, no matter that they're very lofty relative to us, the reality is whatever tremendous divine experience they may have is only a fraction it's only a glimmer of the divine. And as the Rebbe says in Tanya, all of those worlds collectively are one big descent downgrade from Hashem. It's not that the Malachim don't need the revelation of Hashem's essence. It's that the Hashem's essence can only be revealed by the work that we do within the physical world. Uh, 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 yeah. How do we make a home from, uh, for Hashem, not only in the lowest realm, but even in the higher realms as well, through our avoided down here? When we get this world right, the Malachim will benefit and the higher worlds will benefit in a way that they could never have achieved or even imagined. There's a well-known Moshal we use in Hasidus to illustrate this, that if you want to build, if you want to lift a whole structure, using leverage. So you're going to take something, you're going to put, wedge it in underneath the building in order to leverage the building upwards. The only way to do it is your lever has to go right to the bottom of the entire structure that you want to lift. Because obviously if you're going to stick it in the middle, you'll only lift up half the building and the rest of the stuff will remain below. That applies spiritually as well. That's why the Torah has to be presented to humans, Jewish people, in the physical world. In the world that is low and can have nothing lower than it. Because then when we lift our world, we're lifting from the bottom, and the entire structure of all of the created realities, even the most sublime and spiritual of them, is fundamentally uplifted. So the Malachim need us to have the Torah. That's why Moshe emphasizes in his response to them, Do you have envy? Do you have a Yitzhara? In other words, He wants to show the Malachim that our world qualifies as the lowest level, where there is nothing lower than this, as Al-Tarebbe says in Tanya, to the extent to which Hashem can be uh, hidden, so that it's a world filled with darkness, with kripa, with 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 in- interference to godliness. But it's still not hundred percent clear because now we understand that in order to achieve Hashem's goal and purpose for creation, which is to transform the world into Hashem's home, you need the Torah to be in the world, in the lowest realm, to do that. But there's still an angle that the Malachim surely could argue from the halachic perspective of the neighbor's rights. Because they should say, okay, so you have the capacity to make a home for Hashem via the Torah in the lowest realms, 
but we are also in a position to make a home for Hashem, just ours will be in the higher realms. And seeing as we're the neighbors and we want to make a home, surely that overrides the fact that you, the Jews, want to make a home but are not the neighbors. So therefore we have to be clear, there's no choice but to say, this concept of making a home for Hashem, drawing Hashem's essence out into the open, can never be achieved, even in the highest realm, through what Malachim do. It's only through what humans do. That you can introduce Hashem's essence into the sphere of creation. Now, why? Obviously, we're biased. We want this to be the answer, but why is it? The only way to reveal and to bring into reality Hashem's essence, which is embedded within the Torah, can only be revealed, can only be activated by an Hashem while it is stuck within the restricting parameters of the physical reality. So the Nisham has to enter a world which is completely overridden by barriers to godliness, by husks of impurity, completely against Hashem. Once the Nisham is in this world, then it's going to battle consistently against the Yitzhahara. But it succeeds. The Nisham, each of us, succeeds in breaking through all of those spiritual barriers and not only that, we succeed in transforming them from darkness to light, from negative to positive. So that activity is to firstly override and then to transform those toxic energies in the world that are originally totally against Hashem and turn them into something of holiness. That is something that we're making which didn't exist before. We're creating something brand new. We're taking something which Hashem has designated to be a, a, something that feels independent and feels like it's its own entity. And we're transforming it into something which completely surrenders its identity for connection to Hashem. Now to create something brand new is impossible. The only way to create something brand new is with the power of the essence of Hashem, because only Hashem can create something from nothing. Every other being can only create from existing material. So we're creating something from nothing. We're doing something that's never happened before. Because the same God who creates existence from nothing gives us the opportunity to turn that existence back into nothing independent of Hashem. Moshe actually alluded to this in the way that he responded to the Malachim. When he told them, Do you have parents? We know that in the human experience or in the living experience, giving birth is the closest we'll ever get to creating something from nothing. Which is why Chassidus explains that the capacity for childbearing is 100% lodged in Hashem's infinite power. And therefore, that's why angels don't have the capacity to propagate because they don't, they're not plugged into Hashem's essence. 
That's what Moshe says to the Malachim. You've got to understand. This ability to achieve what Hashem wants, to make it there, it's not just about where we live, that we happen to be in the lowest realm. So if we get this right, everybody will be elevated. Fundamentally, you can't do it. It's only a neshama that is directly keyed in to Hashem's essence, which is beyond any restriction and therefore can create from nothing. That empowers us that we could live in our in, in, in this physical world and do our void at that world be moilid that will birth new principles, new concepts. To take lowly things, and to turn those things, and through that we now lift that part of the world which lifts everything above it, so it affects the entire spectrum of, of existence. And turn that into Hashem's home, which Hashem should be zeichet to do and to see the His galus of Hashem's of Hashem's essence and the experience of dira with Mashiach now.